Welcome to Beyond the Veil. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Soma Studio Venue, located in Nelson, British Columbia. And I am welcoming guest Peter Thompson, talking about coming back to authenticity. Hello, welcome. We are going to be discussing returning to your authentic self with Peter Thompson. Peter specializes in yoga, compassionate inquiry, somatic embodiment, and speaking at events. Peter, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Tara. Yes, and your past experiences from being in the military and skydiving instructor with 4,000 jumps, it's very impressive. I haven't even, I don't think I could ever do that, even one. (laughs) It seems to be quite the contrast to the work you're specializing in today. So maybe start by, by sharing this catalyst for change that you've gone through and what brought you into the work that you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting story, actually. As you said, it's pretty much the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And there is no um, coincidence that they're complete opposite ends of the spectrum. So I did my first skydive actually today, the 8th of September in 2006, when I was 16 years old. It's my skydiving birthday. Coincidence. Mm, wow. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. So I did my very first tandem. And I remember when I arrived there, the instructor who took me just seemed so confident and so strong and so happy. And there were people living there at the skydiving center that were just living this awesome gypsy life. And I really wanted to feel the way that I perceived these people to feel. And from that day on, I just really wanted to be a skydiver. I was 16. I was very um, easily influenced at that age. Also had no fear. (laughs) So I ended up doing one skydive a year for the next, I think, four years until I was 20. And then I did my um, what's called accelerated freefall course, which is essentially your skydiving course. And from there, I just went on to do 10 years of jumping out of a plane. (laughs) I really had my heart set on being an instructor because that's the reason I got into it in the first place. However, most people who start skydiving don't. They just want to experience the flying and the freefall and all of the amazing things that come with the sport. Um, however, being a female in Australia in the skydiving industry, especially as a tandem instructor, is something that comes with a lot of challenges. The, I think it was one of eight female instructors among five or 600 men. So with that came the need to prove myself, but not only in the sky, but on the ground. So I had to drink as much as they could drink, party as hard as they could party, show up as masculine and strong as they all did. And eventually I was disconnecting from myself. I didn't really know who I was anymore, didn't feel good. And I started to find myself in this pretty dark place And from that dark place, I had to drink away the pain. So then I was just in this vicious cycle of drinking, partying, skydiving. And that was my life. I'm trying to pick up the pieces, waking up with a hangover, and it was horrible. Um, 
when I came over here to Canada, I had my first break from skydiving because it was winter and Australia doesn't really get winter so much. You, you jump all year round. So with winter, I had a break. And with that break, I decided to do my yoga teacher training. I had my first exposure to a regulated nervous system in my life. <laughs> so I started to feel better, like overall, I wasn't depressed anymore. I wasn't angry for no reason. I wasn't, I quit drinking at the same time. And then I just started to, to feel what it felt like to be alive again and to listen to that voice inside me that I had lost touch with. And um, from then on, I just became more and more in touch with myself and started teaching uh, meditation and pranayama. Eventually I did compassionate inquiry, which is a approach developed by Gabo Mate, um, trained under a bunch of brilliant teachers um, in somatic work. And this is what I'm doing now is helping people come through that dark place and and find themselves like I had to go through myself beautiful and Mm -hmm. you touched on the inner voice the inner compass and that leads to our authentic self explain this a little bit more yeah for sure so the way I like to describe this to people is if you imagine a newborn baby you're you're born you're pure there's no holes in you there's no wounds you're just You just are. And then we start to learn what's right, what's wrong, how our actions have cause and effect and other people's happiness starts to depend on us. For example, we're a baby, we cry, our parents then feel sad. We have caused their suffering, right? So that teaches us that we then need to put on a happy face and hide our emotions. From the first day you're born, you're starting to learn this. So then you're two years old, same thing. You do something that someone else doesn't feel good as a result of. So then you adapt. You lose touch with that authentic voice. You lose touch with your visceral response to what you wanted to do versus what you did in order to attach to what at the time was survival, right? If I don't do what my parents want me to do, I'm going to die. I'm a baby. They're not going to feed me. They're not going to love me. So I have to do what they want in order to survive. So then it gets wired into our limbic system, our survival mechanism. And then we grow up. We move through childhood, people-pleasing, adapting to those around us. And then we face adulthood. And the same thing happens. We're so disconnected from that inner voice by that time. There is a huge sever there and that sever shows up as a deep dark hole for a lot of people it did for me and I know it does for many and a lot of people don't know why I don't know what this is and I don't know how to fix it I don't know what to to bring in place right of that initial relationship with myself yeah so that inner voice is sorry is to to listen to your physiological shifts or the voice of your body when making decisions or just showing up in the world Mm -hmm. yeah that's a big aspect that um, we can easily lose lose the connection with our authentic self who we truly are on that deep level and I remember feeling that 
it was almost, I, I've mentioned this before many times, it almost felt like I was almost like a tuning fork. I don't know how else to describe it, where I was out of my center and I had felt like I was just reverberating. Like I just didn't have that, that centeredness within myself. And with that is the knowing of who I am. I just felt I was always searching for who am I or what's wrong with me or, and it was mm -hmm. really, really difficult to figure that out. And you and I spoke before we, we went into, um, into this uh, talk here about that, you know, what is, what is our true authentic self? And um, sometimes you have to go through the process in order to really understand what it means. Well, we all have to go through our own process to understand who we are at the core level, but first what has been built as a result of losing that connection with our true self. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's always there. It's always there. It's like the internal compass, right? So you're, you're North, you lose sight of where North is sometimes. And we, we see our path differently to the way our compass is trying to send us because the other way might look easier or it might look more fun. And when we start to take that, that road, we realize it's not the right road. So in order to get back on track, we actually have to overcome a bunch of obstacles. But our inner compass is always recalibrating. And once we start to tune into that calibration and listen with our full body awareness, let it guide you, you know, less suffering. Exactly. Well, and it's also part listening to our intuition. And uh, if we're not used to listening to our intuition, we tend to over intellectualize things and overanalyze. And so we override our intuitive sense. And it is really coming back to our in intuition as well. And as you mentioned, our senses, tuning into the body, tuning into our emotions, how things feel, getting back in touch with the feelings, letting that mm -hmm. be our guide rather than our programs. And then when we're on this programmed direction, we make wrong decisions. We make decisions that hold us back in life. We make decisions that we take, I've said this many times, we take um, five steps forward and take a fall back and keep in that, keep moving in that perpetual state, um, that pattern, if you will. And I've mentioned it prior in other videos also, if we listen to our intuition, if we take a stop and pause in our life and connect and work through what we need to work through, then we end up taking a giant leap forward rather than these incremental steps forward and then massive step back and trying to fight against something that isn't right for us. Right. And with that is becoming comfortable with the unfamiliarity of being in that place where you have jumped forward too. Mm -hmm. right? Because for a long time that was unfamiliar and unfamiliar is uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's why sometimes we anchor ourselves in a place that isn't good for us because that's what familiarity feels like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear more about compassionate inquiry. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier. I'd like to hear more information about what this is exactly. Yeah. So compassionate inquiry is the um, psychotherapeutic, also body-centered kind of um, approach developed by Dr. Gabo Mate. 
He is an absolute legend in the field of trauma. So what it is, it's very somatic. So a lot of felt sensation, you know, going in through the body to unpack things that are essentially driving us. So we liberate ourselves from unconscious dynamics that drive us, that send us off track, right? So for example, just like I explained, you know, when you're a baby, you learn things, what makes people happy, what makes people suffer, that becomes a layer and that shapes us. And that then shows up later on in our adult life as dysfunction or dysfunctional behavior or something that really hurts or is uncomfortable that we then need to soothe. Sometimes that means we we drink alcohol or we take substances or we use technology or pornography or something that is temporarily going to take away our pain. So compassionate inquiry is a really beautiful and compassionate way to peel back those layers using the body as your guide essentially and then what we do is we we look always for the function of the behavior so what is it giving you it's giving you something otherwise you wouldn't be doing it and then what is the reason that you need that thing or that behavior or what needs were not being met and then we, we start to peel back more layers until we eventually end up at the core belief that we believe about ourselves, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm unlovable. The world is a dangerous place. Usually a short statement that is very, very, very powerful and in the, the words of a child because the very first time this wound, if you will, came to life was in the very early years, so childhood, infancy even. So then we come back through, you know, the somatic experience, always holding space for what comes up. If there's shame, can we hold space for the shame? If there's fear, can we hold space for the fear? If there's anger, can we hold space for the anger? Whatever is there, we hold space for that. And then we very delicately peel back more layers. And then we find the, the core of it, what is driving all of this. And then we come and meet that with compassion. There's a lot of inner child work involved, parts work like IFS, a lot of somatic work. It's a blend of a lot of other beautiful modalities, actually. That sounds wonderful. I'd it love is. to learn more about it. Now I'm very <laughs> curious. Thank you for sharing that. And with with mention to trauma informed, uh, what does that exactly mean? So you have you you've um, studied compassionate inquiry. Um, you are a yoga somatic therapist with the trauma-informed um, aspect to it. So what would you, how would you um, like to clarify that? What would it exactly mean? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the modalities that I've been trained in and have learned about from great teachers are safe ways to work with trauma. So there are quite a few different explanations of the word trauma, but trauma in the world that I live in and work in is essentially what happens within you as a human being as a result of either needs not being met, the absence of an empathetic witness, something that happened that was traumatic that changed you. It changed the way that you perceive the world. It changed your sense of safety. It changed the way that you just show up, essentially. So 
when working with trauma, again, it's very delicate. We, we can't just jump straight in and go to the root because that can be very dangerous on the nervous system. We need to track the nervous system and be very careful with the nervous system. So we do things like resourcing, titration. These are somatic therapy um, practices where you try and meet the shadow with equal amounts of light and you balance that and you track the nervous system so that it's not too much to endure because if it's too much to endure, you're doing more damage. So it's very delicately, once again, titrating. If you imagine a pressure cooker and you're just letting off little bits of steam rather than just letting it explode. Right. And then in a yoga sense, bringing the same um, delicacy into the yoga studio, you never know how people are showing up. Consent is everything. One day someone may want to be touched. One day it being three meters away might be too much for them. So understanding that people are showing up differently every second of every day and sometimes you just need to be aware of how people could be showing up. And does the yoga you teach, is it to work through trauma? Is that the type of yoga you focus on? No, I mostly teach slower, more yin and restorative mm -hmm. style yoga. And I always bring in a lot of mindfulness into my classes. So reminding people to get back into their bodies because a lot of people are so disconnected from their bodies. They've dissociated, they've checked out and they're living up here in the, in the head. Yeah. So my approach is more trying to bring people back into their bodies to become familiar with it again, to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, the discomfort in their bodies, being able to identify what is pain and what is discomfort and practicing being in the uncomfortable on the yoga mat is beautiful practice because you can then take that out into the real world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm also curious to know if you have noticed any common threads with those who've gone through trauma and the people you work with, have you noticed almost, um, similar ways of I know everyone has a different story and a different way of working through their their traumas or their difficulties but have you noticed a certain theme or a certain commonality with the people you work with in any kind of way I see myself in every single person mm. which is why I'm able to see that every single person that I'm working with has lost touch with their authentic self. Right. So I try to use a, a different way, a different, everyone has a different learning style. Everyone has a different way to embody the session. Um, some things land for some people that won't land for other people. But at the end of the day, I try to get them all back into their bodies in a safe way that they can handle. And if they're not, if their nervous system is not ready for that, then we back off and, and we see what we are ready for. Some people it's very, very, very slow. Some people it's very fast. Depends. Sometimes we're sitting in a chair. Sometimes we're rolling around on the floor. It's going to be different with every single person and what their needs are. But at the end of the day, I would say that, yeah, it's all disconnection from self, disconnection from body, from essence. Right. Right. And what would be your go-to healing modality or technique that you enjoy the most? 
So I weave all of my modalities together um, for some people. So the compassionate inquiry is a lot more sort of um, similar to talk therapy. There's more talking and un unpacking the triggers and peeling back the layers verbally. It's more educational almost. It, it shows people what's driving them so that they can then see it and understand it. The somatic work, there is much less talking. It's really just getting into the body in the felt sense. It's it's feeling what feels safe and what doesn't feel safe. Um, I like to weave both together. So my my sessions are probably a 50-50 of both. And for those listening and watching, how would one identify within themselves that they have disconnected from their true authentic self? What would be some indicators that someone could reflect on, reflect upon within themselves to identify within that they may not be fully in alignment with who they truly are? Mm -hmm. Something that I can say that I still do myself often is when I am uncomfortable because I've either had a heated conversation with someone, a disagreement, I'm worried about money, you know, something doesn't feel good for me, I'm going to reach for something. I'm going to reach for my phone. I'm going to reach for my computer and do more work. I'm going to reach for food. Once upon a time, it was alcohol. That right there is the moment that your body's telling you, you're disconnecting from me. So those moments, that's the gold. That's the golden opportunity to drop back into the body, put the phone away, allow the sensations to arise, create some space for the anger, for the fear. Maybe you're going to cry. <laughs> Maybe you're going to roar like a lion. Maybe you need to shake your body. Just give it some space to do that. Watch it. Track the nervous system and it feels like you're going into freeze state or um, dorsal shutdown for the polyvagal nerds out there, then bring it back. It's too much. We need to bring some more light back in. Okay, so open up to the uncomfortable. Don't reach for the thing. Don't reach for the distraction. That's the first thing that you can track. That's a really good point. Um, also triggers to, I, I feel there's something... I guess that probably would be more of a response, maybe not the disassociation, but the the unresolved anger or some of the um, energies, emotions that are stored within ourselves that tend to show up unconsciously, um, mm -hmm. really paying attention to unconscious behaviors. Those, like you said, the first reaction to something, what is that? What is the go-to? What is the emotion? Or the is it an anger impulse? Or is it wanting to get back or fight or flight or um, you know, these different, different ways that we can become triggered, paying attention to that. And, and a lot of it is self-awareness. That is the biggest, I feel, uh, tool or ability that helped me work through mine as well is really being very aware of why am I feeling like this? Why mm -hmm. am I acting this way? Um, and you can really get detailed with that. I mean, it can go into so many different layers within yourself on that, that ability alone, the self-awareness yeah. aspect. Well, I actually have a, a workshop that I've been offering. I've probably done maybe 12 times this year, um, called unpacking emotional triggers. And we use 
both compassionate inquiry and somatic experiencing techniques and basically just all of the modalities that I work with my one-to-one clients, I, I basically bring into a workshop and we we peel back those layers. So mm-hmm. firstly, recognizing what is the felt sensation? Okay, my heart's beating, my hands are tight, my jaw is tight, I'm sweating, right? Feeling, feeling that, okay. What are we making that mean? What's the story we're attaching to here? So-and-so is disrespecting me or blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's peel back another layer. And then you get to the core belief. So it's it's working with all of these layers, but only when it feels right for the for the client or for the person who's experiencing them. Oftentimes our nervous system feels a certain way or is reacting to a situation. Our brain, our prefrontal cortex, wants to create a story. It, as humans, we cling to stories. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a good opportunity to peel back the layers and figure out what the core belief is that's driving this so that we can heal that core wound with compassion. Or sometimes we get out of the head and into the body and just feel, allow it to move through us without attaching to a story. So it just depends on the person. It depends on the time. It depends what's going on, whether you, whether it's safe, whether you're driving a vehicle and you can actually do this work or it, if you just need to learn to regulate the nervous system to get to your destination safely. And you mentioned the frontal cortex. Would that be connected to the ego? I don't even know if there really is an aspect, a biological aspect that is connected to the ego. It's more of a belief or an energy, sort of this this uh, this part of ourselves that kicks in and creates that story. Right. We can become very, very headstrong in that story and locked in and wanting to justify our actions and how we feel based on that Mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. So we're all born without an ego. There is no ego. We're just essence. We're purity. We're self. And then all of these things happen like we spoke about earlier, you know, interactions, I learn that my behaviors affect other people. So then I form a personality based upon these things. I I learn how to behave based upon these things. This is all ego. We have this stigma that an ego is a bad thing, but an ego is really just who we become like personality wise. So in, um, in this sense, in this context, the ego is all of the things that we have learned throughout our lives the way we see the world based on our life experience and then our actions are a result of that. So the Buddha said, with our minds, we create the world. But what Gabor Mate says is before that, the world creates our minds. Mm. So what happens in our lives, what needs were not met, trauma, et cetera, that creates our minds. And then our minds create our reality I'm going to sense danger where there isn't danger or the opposite. I'm going to sense there is no danger when there is danger. I'm going to assume I'm being judged or people hate me because I've created that reality with my mind based upon my life experience. So all of this is all ego and it is driving our actions. So when we can learn to take control of that, take a breath and pause peel back a couple of layers and see where this is all coming from, then you can self-soothe. I talk to my inner child all the time. 
it's okay, I got you, I see you, it's going to be all right. And then my fight or flight anger mode will quickly shift into, oh my God, I feel so held right now. And then I'll start crying. My Mm. fight or flight turns to tears of relief. So inner child work is very powerful and healing in that way. Mm. Nice, beautiful. Thank you for that summary. That was perfect. Love that. (laughs) All right. So let's go into... um... I feel that there are going to be many listeners, watchers here who are wanting to align with their inner compass and to follow their dreams and their desires in a career path that is in alignment with who they are and what they feel drawn towards, but they could be facing fear or resistance or uncertainty within. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have any words of wisdom for those who are wanting to embark onto their path and how they can overcome some of these fears that might be showing up for them? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In a compassionate inquiry session, we would unpack those fears where they came from because often they're not associated with the present. They're not associated with the future. They're always associated with the past. So then it's identifying what is actually from the past and what is real right now. And so connecting to your authentic self and what drives you, what motivates you, what are you passionate about and being real with that, allowing that to expand, taking it small, little, tiny baby footsteps at a time and then creating some space for yourself to grow into. At the start of this year, I was doing a session a month out of my spare room at home and now I'm in a space full time, almost seeing, you know, up 10 to 15 people a week. But I had to allow myself to grow into that by staying true and um, really just believing that the work that I'm doing is helping people. So when it comes to the fear, where does that fear come from? Because it's not about the present. It's always about the past. And we could work through that in a compassionate inquiry session and unpack that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's, it is true. And uh, we live, we live under the constraint of our subconscious beliefs, what has been formed since early life. And that is the truest unpacking. And I love how you go right to the root of why, mm-hmm. why happening. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I stuck? Why am I in fear? Why am I not? following my true calling and right. going into that deeper that deeper question of where that is that where is that truly coming from and we often fear the future and the future hasn't been created yet doesn't doesn't exist mm-hmm. yet we can create yeah. the future but if we're stuck in the fear then we're going to create future based on that and so right. it's really important to address these underlying beliefs that are buried within right and it's our our implicit memory our body's memory mm-hmm. that's driving that it's not a choice. We don't choose to be afraid of the future. And the body doesn't know what, what was then and what was now. It just knows that, oh, I'm here again, and this is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So to wrap things up, would you like to share a technique or guidance for regulating the central nervous system or navigating through difficult times that those listening watching can take away for themselves to help them through some difficulties they might be facing yeah i will share what um i can like a self-inquiry 
uh, session, if you will, or technique would look like when you're triggered, okay? So when there is emotional stimulus, something has set you off, someone has said something, you've seen something, and all of a sudden you're feeling angry, your blood is rising, your heart rate is increasing, we're going to call this a trigger just for the sake of everyone knows that word. A lot of people hate that word. Mm. <laughs> so the first thing to recognize is what do I feel in my body? Always. Because usually we're already up here. We're already up here telling ourselves a story and we're completely disconnected from the body. So check into the body. What are you noticing in your body? I feel sick in my stomach. My heart is beating really fast. I'm sweating and my hands are really tight. And my jaw is clenched. Those are usually, if not all, some of the symptoms. So check into that. Give it some space. Don't try and push it away. Don't try and change it. Just allow it. So that's step one. Give space to the felt sensation. Step two. What am I making this mean? I'm making this mean this person thinks I'm stupid or something. Okay, is that true? Do you absolutely know it's true? This is a Byron Katie technique. No. <laughs> okay, so why am I clinging to this story? Okay, well, it's a belief that I have about myself. Oh, things are going to shift in the body when you make that connection. Potentially shift from anger to something like shame, sadness. Okay, give that space. Give that space. It's really important to give it space. And we, you could go further in an actual one-to-one -one session, but I think that's a good place if you're on your own to stop and just give yourself some, some love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just notice I'm sad and I feel a lot of shame right now. Is it safe for me to stay here and hold space for this? Yeah, no, I'm not sure. If it is, stay with it. Because chances are it will increase and then it will decrease and then you're going to be feeling okay again. If not, then you need to regulate the nervous system. Soften your belly, soften your hands, soften your jaw. Take a deep, long breath in. And uh, even an audible sigh. Mm, it's getting rid of that nervous energy. Do a few rounds of that. We don't want to bypass by going straight to regulation. Um, breath work if there is an opportunity for us to get curious about the trigger mm. if it's safe mm -hmm. wonderful thank you so mm -hmm. much thank you for that all right so on that note Pina thank you so much for being here thank you for sharing your information your story your wisdom your knowledge how can people find you I will leave links below as well but what would you like to share for people to get in touch for you touch in touch with you yeah, absolutely. So my name is my website, peterthompson.com. Um, you can reach me there or you can follow me on Instagram. It's Peter Thompson Wellness. And I do offer one-on-one -on -one sessions both online, anywhere in the world. I have clients in Australia, clients in the US, in Canada, wherever. And I also work in person here on Baker Street. So if you want to get in touch with me, just shoot me an email through my website. Wonderful. All right, Peter, thank you again for being here, sharing your wisdom and everyone, Peter Thompson, get in touch with her. I'll leave the contact information as well below here, video and podcast. And it was really a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for joining another episode of Beyond the Veil. Make sure to find me over on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. And keep an eye open for more episodes as we dive into the depths beyond the veil.